Welcome to Living Southern Oregon, a podcast dedicated to discovering and exploring all Southern Oregon has to offer. I'm your host, Simona Fino, and I will be introducing you to the people who live here, the things they love, and what makes Southern Oregon a magical place to call home. Welcome, everyone, to Living Southern Oregon. Today I have with me Hadassah. Hadassah is the co-founder and executive director of Tikkun Olam Farm Sanctuary, a forever home for abused, abandoned, neglected, and unwanted farm animals. She is vegan and has spent nearly two decades as an activist in the animal rights movement. She spent many years working in the veterinary field running a surgical department, a medical hospital at a no-kill animal shelter, and doing wildlife rehabilitation. She obtained a graduate degree in Holocaust and Genocide Studies with a focus on psychology from Westchester University. And she spent 10 years teaching college students in her home state of Delaware. When she moved to Oregon in 2013, she decided to merge her love of animals, education, and Judaism to begin the only Jewish farm animal sanctuary in the country, where over 130 animals are living their best lives. All right. I'm super excited to be talking to you. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I love starting every podcast with finding out why Southern Oregon. So you've been here a while, 2013. Where were you before? Delaware, obviously. I was living in Newcastle, Delaware, where I'd spent my entire life. And I visited Oregon uh, a few years prior to moving here. I did a hiking backpacking trip um, from Washington to California. And fell in love with Oregon. You backpacked the whole way. Well, <laughs> we didn't have that much time. So okay. we, we uh, <laughs> actually had a friend with an RV, uh, and like an old, um, RV, um, VW bus. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. We had a, he had a VW bus and we, uh, would meet up with him at, at predetermined locations. So we backpacked cool. large chunks of it and it was just beautiful. I fell in love with Oregon, particularly Southern Oregon and had no intention of moving here, but I accidentally met my partner and that's where they were from. And uh, I made a commitment to move out here. And in 2013, I did. All right. So I've got to ask now because I'm super curious about the backpacking spots. Where in Southern Oregon? What 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 hiking trails or what spots were? Oh my goodness, it was so long ago. I don't know. I can remember. But the one thing, the one part I do remember, we did uh, Crater Lake. We did the entire the entire room. So that was that was spectacular, and just I'll never forget that that experience. Uh, There were other areas that weren't Southern Oregon, like we did um, Smith Rock. We we Mm -hmm. hiked and and camped through there but and I remember that as a as a highlight but you know Crater Crater Lake was the yeah. one that stands out and I remember coming in to Ashland and just thinking wow this is an awesome place and what a great place to live and not thinking that I would actually end up here but here we yeah, are here you are it took your heart it did <laughs> And how did you decide to build the farm sanctuary? Was that something that was kind of an immediate thing, or was that something that you started after moving here? Tell me a little bit about how that... Well, I had been doing animal rescue back east. We had been primarily working um, with parrots, believe it or not. So we did parrot rescue, and we did, uh, you know, small animal, domestic animal. But this had been my dream for many, many years, and I told my partner that, when we moved to Oregon, 
I'm starting a farm animal sanctuary and I don't think anybody took me seriously. <laughs> and uh, so when I first moved here, I began doing my research and figuring out what it was going to take to get a nonprofit started. And obviously we did, mm -hmm. but in the beginning I, it was, you know, it was a lot of phone calls, a lot of conversations and a lot of people telling me this was just not going to happen. And, um, it just, I couldn't take no. I knew that that was why I wanted to be here. And so we started the nonprofit in 2015. I can't remember when we received our nonprofit status, when, when we actually we were provisional, but you know, we actually got our first property and began doing the work in 2015. And then we obtained our nonprofit status and um, we've been you know, doing it ever since. Yeah, and you tell me a little bit about Tikkun Olam. What does that mean? Tikkun Olam is Hebrew for repair the world, and it's a social justice piece that is kind of the cornerstone of Judaism. And uh, I'll preface with I am very much a cultural Jew. Religious practice is, you know, part of our culture, but I'm not religious in that way. So um, I just want to make that really clear. Um, so Tikkun Olam is something that many Jewish organizations take up the mantle of, you know, doing something to create change, positive change in their environment, whatever that may be. And on our little postage stamp, this is my focus. There's many worthy causes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you could do, I mean, we have housing insecurity and food insecurity and so many things that we can focus on. And my focus is to help abused, abandoned, neglected, and unwanted farm animals end up having a really good place, safe place to live and educate people about their plight. And this is my way of trying to do something positive in the world that will make a difference. And hopefully we'll, you know, we'll have a ripple effect and, and create, create change. So this is my tikkun, my mm -hmm. repair for the world. I love that. It's beautiful. I think you told me that before and I'd forgotten. So I wanted to make sure. And yeah, I do love it. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's hard. I love the name of our sanctuary, but it, it is always a conversation because, right. you know, there's not a lot of Hebrew speakers, of course, and, <laughs> and, and it's not an easy word to say. So, you know, it's, it has, it's a double-edged sword. It's beautiful and it's complicated. And that's kind of what the sanctuary world is like anyway. So it, it, it fits. Well, and it's kind of good because then you have people asking you too you know and it's it brings up the conversation yeah. it does and I appreciate how well you say it it's usually butchered so so this is obviously a huge need I mean a little bit we were talking before we even started the recorder here about just how you've had to learn to say no because there's just so many yeah animals that are abused and neglected and need homes and um so tell me a little bit about how you choose how you like where your yeah. focus is or do you have a specific focus what that looks like well i'll i'll get to one of our our um i would say our primary focuses in a moment but you did bring up a really important uh an issue is that there are so many farmed animals previously farmed animals that need homes and we get calls every single day and during what is considered chick season when the farm stores are selling baby chicks it's always for those of us who run sanctuaries it's always just such a sad time because we know within the next four months we're going to be inundated with phone calls from people who say oh 
I have a rooster and I live in city limits and I thought I was buying a hen. And so when people go to farm stores and they buy chicks, they have a 20% chance of buying a male bird. And although those, um, you know, when they, they are supposed to be hens, but they, when they select, they sometimes, uh, sex them incorrectly. And the sad thing is, is that the ones that the males that actually end up at these farm stores are survivors already because they are sent down a conveyor belt. They're considered unwanted as part of the egg or part of the um, hatchery industry. And they grind them up alive in a macerator. So the fact that these little chicks were sexed incorrectly ended up at a farm store and survived that already gives them, you know, they're already, you know, have made it through once. And then we get the phone calls saying, Hey, we have this rooster and we can't keep them because we live in the city limits. And they didn't know that they had a 20% chance of getting a boy. And it's heartbreaking because you can only have so many roosters. We have, I believe we have 17 roosters right now. And that's, that's, a lot. that's a lot of roosters and we manage it, but we can't take more and it's hard. We generally at this point are not taking a lot of animals from the public. We deal with neglect and cruelty cases primarily. Um, those are the ones that we'll bring in because the need is so great. And if we took in all the animals from people that were calling us, we would be filled up within less than a month. We would have, we wouldn't have any room. And so learning to say no is super important. And so if, you know, when people call and they, they, uh, ask us to take someone in, it's so painful to say no, but it is probably the most important thing you can do because you have, we have over 130 animals at our sanctuary. And if you don't say no, you can't afford to feed them, provide them quality medical care, give them appropriate housing. If you take in too many animals, that becomes a hoarding situation rather than a sanctuary. And so we're really careful about who we bring in. And so what, tell me what kind of animals you have there now. I know, I, I know a little bit only just because I see you on Facebook and watch your amazing coop being built. Yes, uh, we, did, yeah, we just finished building the fabulous, everybody calls it the chicken palace. Um, and we built that because every, we believe every being deserves dignified housing. So we are, we are committed to making them have the safest and nicest housing that we can provide them and just show people that there's other ways to, to care for animals than, than, you know, not providing them safe and comfortable housing. So what do we have? We have chickens, ducks, turkeys, Gandalf the peacock, everybody, he's a, he's a sanctuary favorite. We have pigs, goats, sheep, cows. We just took in some mini donkeys. They're in foster right now and they're going to be moving to the facility soon. And we have a horse that'll be moving there as well. So we have yeah, a little a bit of everything <laughs> uh, so far. We have a, we, you know, we, we have, um, we have a little bit of room to take in a few more, uh, over the next year or so, but we're largely going to maintain what we have and we will be doing adoption. Um, like we'll take in some animals and do, do adoption. I think, uh, I'm trying to remember it was November. We, we did a relatively large scale chicken rescue. We rescued over 200 birds that were about to be depopulated and we were able to save them all, find homes and, and, and they're all 
as far as I know, doing reasonably well. You know, we've kept in touch with some of the adopters, so they're doing well, and we'd like to continue doing that once we're a little more established. As you know, we just moved our sanctuary to a new facility, so we're in the in the um, infrastructure phase. So we don't have uh, the ability to do tons of rescue and adoption right now, but we make do with what we can. Yeah. So how will the adoption work in the future, do you think, as far as will you be putting that out to the wider public, or do you kind of do that just within your own network of uh, Right now we're doing it within a small group. We work with other sanctuaries primarily right now, and if we get, um, we, we will end up having a form for people who are looking to adopt a previously farmed animal, and they can fill out the application, we'll do home checks, make sure that it's an appropriate fit, and then we can, we'll be able to place animals. We don't have the manpower to do that at this time. So right now we currently work with other sanctuaries within the Pacific Northwest and we have a uh, we have a group of people that are dedicated to doing transport um, from California to Washington. And so, oh, wow. so we, we move animals, we shuffle animals back and forth between, you know, in the you know, between the states to find, mm-hmm. you know, some some people might have room for a cow, another person has room for a chicken, someone has room for a sheep. So you know, at different times, there's always movement, um, you know, within the sanctuary community. And so we try and support each other and help each other find appropriate placement. If somebody has an adopter at their sanctuary and we have, you know, hey, somebody's looking for three goats and we have three goats, we will, you know, we try and connect them and see if we can find, you know, find appropriate and safe housing. That's awesome. I love it. And then, and you have the transport set up. That's got to be a huge well, it's it's, a not, is that well, it's not ours. I mean, okay. Tikkun Alum Farm yeah. Sanctuary has volunteers that have been outstanding okay. in being willing to help us do short short trips. But there's an um, there's a person that does um, does longer trips. Uh, they they refer to themselves as the Dairy Calf Underground, and they <laughs> shuttle. Uh, I, I have I have mixed feelings about the name of that, but you get the idea uh-huh. of what it's what we're doing, and they and they they've committed their you know all of their free time to shuttling animals around to safe safe homes nice and you said you have some that are foster so you're fostering animals that you then where do they, the it, fostering is for us like oh, until we have until you have like we, we okay. got a call about the donkeys um these miniature donkeys and we're asked if we could bring them in and mm. we absolutely can but we have to because we just moved our entire sanctuary um just this month, actually, yes. we just moved all of the animals finally to the new property. Um, we don't have all of our infrastructure in place, so we need to finish building an extra structure and some uh, introduction areas. And until that happens, we have um, a wonderful community of people that are willing to step up and and foster animals for a week, two weeks, a month. Uh, you just and, and you never know who they are because you put it out there and somebody says, yeah, I can do that for you. And, and they, they do. And this particular person, Ellen, has been outstanding in taking these these little donkeys in and, and is uh, spoiling them rotten until they can come, <laughs> come move in and live with us. Nice. Excellent. I just had a question that went right through my brain about the foster fostering process and I guess I'll just have to come back to it <laughs> um, there isn't much more. Well, yeah, no, I was just anyway and the other thing I wanted to just for our listeners because I've had a chance to go out to your farm but tell us a little bit of what the your new place is like oh it's so beautiful so l- let me tell you the backstory because it's a great story we um 
we knew we needed to leave the facility that we were, um, the, the, the place that we were currently living. And I won't go into the details of why, but it was a, it was a confluence of um, circumstances that made this happen. And so we were looking to try and find a place to land. And there several people told us about, oh, there's this property, you should take a look at it. And it was, I think, no fewer than three people mentioned this property to us, and it wasn't even on the market. Um, the woman who had the property, um, it had burned in the fire, in the Alameda fire, and it was her mother's property, and her mother had passed away, and she was struggling as to what to do with it, and it is a desirable piece of property. It's um, about nine acres, and it's irrigated. It has, um, you know, has uh, TID, and it is um, EFU, the exclusive farm use property. So it is very desirable, particularly to the cannabis and hemp um, industry. And that is most certainly what she did not want on her property. So when she heard, she heard about our sanctuary from the three people that had told us about her property, and we finally met. And when I, I went out and looked at the property, once I didn't walk it, I just looked at it from the road and I was like, oh, I don't think that's going to work. And I asked her if I could just walk around and take a peek at it. And she said, sure, go take, take a look. And I did and realized what I was looking at. And I thought, oh my goodness, this could be it. This is perfect. The location is great. Um, it is centrally located between, um, it's kind of on Phoenix talent border and it's located, you know, obviously between Medford and Ashland. So we'll be able to reach people. We're right off of 99 across from the animal shelter, which is a great fit as well. Um, so nine, eight, nine irrigated acres, EFU, and, um, we get to build everything from the ground up, including our house. <laughs> um, and that has, you know, that has its benefits and its drawbacks because right now we're, we're, um, <laughs> we're, currently navigating, you know, building a house, building barns, putting up fencing, and it's a super expensive and involved process. But I feel grateful that we get to do everything exactly as we want it um, for the animals and for ourselves. And it's going to be beautiful. It has a pond, Mm -hmm. which is amazing i can't believe we have a pond on the property as well beautiful tree oh the willow tree there's a willow tree and it is a sacred sacred plant and uh, yeah we're we're feeling pretty pretty blessed right now to have this this property and we're grateful that to uh brianna it was the owner of the property um we're really really grateful to brianna for entrusting us with with this property and her mother's memory and allowing us to use this um to make the world a better place. Yeah. Now you were saying you're right between Medford and Ashland, and I know you kind of have some plans for the future. I've heard you talk about being able to bring kids out and bring schools or doing education, and I know that's a piece of your background. Yeah, that is. What are kind of your plans as you move Forward. They are endless. So there is, <laughs> we have so many things we want to do and just not enough time to accomplish them. We'd like in the next two years to be able to um, offer camps for kids. And we are particularly interested in offering, um, offering a 
a week long or a four a four night long. I don't know if I can if I have the stamina for a week <laughs> of, <laughs> of, uh, of uh, adolescent uh, LGBTQ kids. We are a um, we are an LGBTQ safe space, and we want to make sure that that we have a place where people feel safe and included and and we want to be able to make that that spot available to kids. So when I was growing up, animals were my salvation. Um, if it wasn't for them, I don't know if I would be here today. I grew up working on farms and spending time with animals was truly my my mm-hmm. solace and and I want to be able to pay that forward and and I don't know another group that, you know, struggles more than our queer community, our queer kids. You know, we know the suicide rate is high. Um, and if we can give them opportunities to come out and be with animals and be in beautiful outdoor space, I think that would be a really beneficial thing to do. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing we want to do. Um, we also are planning on putting a 30 foot yurt up as a community center so that we can offer activities. Some will be for donation and some will be, um, offered for free. Like we'd love to be able to offer AA and NA meetings to use that space. It's a beautiful healing space and we want that energy here. So we'd like to offer that. Um, we'd like to offer, uh, you know, have opportunities for dance parties, (laughs) you know, like just something fun, you know, to bring community out and say, Hey, spend some time at the sanctuary and have some fun, positive energy there. We will do a um, Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving opportunity there where, you know, we will have a plant-based meal for people who want to, people who don't have a place to go for Thanksgiving or people who want, you know, a cruelty-free option. So Mm -hmm. we'll do that. And because we are a Jewish sanctuary, we also will be offering, um, Shabbat, uh, periodic Shabbat gatherings for the community. You don't have to be Jewish to attend because Shabbat is just an opportunity to sit back, relax, take some time and breathe and enjoy the moment. So we want to do that. We will do Passover and some of the other holidays. We'll, we'll have those available. Hanukkah, we'll do menorah lighting at the sanctuary. So we want to really include community, Jewish or not, to join us in some of these cultural activities that they mm-hmm. can experience. So that's that's, that's some beautiful. of our plans. Some of your plans. <laughs> of, there's more. <laughs> As if you haven't been doing enough. I, I'm continually impressed by how quickly the speed at which you have built things up there has just been mind blowing. So I can't even imagine. It feels so slow. Oh it gosh. Feels, it, you, it, it's nice to hear that. And no, I, it just, I don't know. Net, yeah, I keep just looking picture after picture and it's like, oh my gosh, already? We're tired. <laughs> I, yeah, you have to be. <laughs> But it seems like you have this boundless energy, so I just love hearing you say, and we're going to do this and this and this and this. <laughs> it's like, when, wow. When you're getting to, you know, not everybody gets passion. to do it and do what they want to do. Exactly. Like, it's your purpose. Yeah. Nobody, Not everybody gets to have a calling or a purpose, and I feel so grateful that I have this. I know mm. what I want to do, and I'm, I have this opportunity to do it. And I can't stress how unbelievably important it is that my co-founders are a part of this Akiva and and uh, Grace both are our co-founders of Tikkun Olam Farm Sanctuary mm-hmm. and without them this wouldn't be happening so it's yeah. not just me um, I'm the face of the sanctuary but those 
two awesome people, you know, my partners in crime and, you know, the co-founders are, mm-hmm. are the reason that this is happening as well. So I want to make sure that I, you know, give credit to, to them for their, their, you know, investment of time and resources into this project. Yeah. And they have invested a lot. I've seen that too. And watching them and it's yeah. beautiful. It's really beautiful. Really, I love it. They're wonderful. Yeah. How can people learn more and if people want to donate or provide in some way what kinds of things do you need how do you yeah tell me more about that like how do you receive thank you (laughs) one of the things that we um we well the things that we need are are endless i mean but hay is our biggest one right now Mm. you know we are about to start a you know fundraiser for um for hay because uh, with the drought, the cost of a bale of hay is up to $23 here. And I remember a time when it was only $10 mm-hmm. a bale. So when you have that many animals, even though we have beautiful pasture, the winter's coming and we're still going to have to feed a lot of hay. And we did through about 15, 20 tons a year. And that's a lot of hay. That's a lot, a lot of money. So that's one thing that we need. Um, and if it, donating is it's easy. You can, we do Venmo, we do PayPal through Tikkun Alum. Um, we have not got our website up and I'm really sorry to say that, but we do have a Facebook mm-hmm. page and an Instagram page. So we do have a social media presence and the, uh, the website is in the works, but it isn't completed yet. So you can, if, if somebody is moved by the mission that we have here and they want to donate mm-hmm. because finances are you know, it's always a concern. We're trying to build, we have a, we have a huge barn that we have to put up and we've started our campaign for that. And if somebody is interested in donating, please reach out to us through, um, Tikkun Alum Farm Sanctuary, a healing community on Facebook. And we can, you know, give you our Venmo and our PayPal, um, if you wanted to donate that way. We also take in-kind donations. So one, another thing that we need, we, we always need food. Uh, mm-hmm. these guys eat a lot, particularly our chickens. We have, you know, we have a hundred chickens, turkeys, ducks, so it gets expensive and we, you know, we get all of our, our food at the Grange. So if you were more, more inclined to do a gift card or drop off bags oh, of chicken okay. food and our chickens would be forever grateful and we'll, we'd be happy to give you a tour and let you meet the critters while you're there. Uh, but those are, you know, those are some of the things that we need. Well, I'm going to go ahead and put those links. We'll make sure we get those in the show notes Thank um, you. to those. That way people can easily find you. And yeah, so listeners out there, if you are feeling moved and want to donate in some way, just click on those links and you'll be able to easily find, find Tikkun. So that Thank would be you. really helpful. Well, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. If that's okay, unless sure. there's anything else you want to chat about the farm. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, again, my, one of my reasons for doing this podcast is really to introduce listeners to the many things that Southern Oregon has to offer. And I think we're just so blessed to live in such a beautiful and amazing spot. So I just love to hear like, what are the things that you love about being here? How, how else besides the farm? Although I know you spend probably it's very rare that you leave the farm. I know this because I try and get you to leave the farm. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> when you do leave the farm. <laughs> but what, what are some things that you love about Southern Oregon? Oh, it is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And there isn't a day that I wake up and don't appreciate the beauty of Southern Oregon. 
We are so close to so many amazing places. I particularly love um, Lithia Park is, you know, it's, it's spectacular and it's a wonderful place to go for a walk and clear your mind though. I don't get to do that very often. <laughs> Mount Ashland, just the, the, the you know, it's, it's, it's the, I guess it's the, these are the iconic places, mm-hmm. but Mount Ashland is amazing. The wine, oh, the wine mm-hmm. and the wineries. We mm-hmm. are, we are so fortunate to have great wine here in the valley. Mm-hmm. So that's great. The Oregon Cheese Cave has vegan cheese. <laughs> I love the Oregon Cheese Cave. That is awesome. And there's, um, you know, there's a number of restaurants that, I've grown to love, though I was expecting to find, you know, you know, obviously I'm vegan and it's, you know, finding places to eat is always tricky. And I was hoping that there would be more places, but I keep finding more and more. Um, Portal Brewing in Medford is turned into one of my favorite places to go. They just switched to a fully plant-based menu and their food is outstanding. Some of the best beer I've ever had. It's outstanding. They brew all their own. Uh, there's a few other places and I, I know that these are primarily, you know, it's food places, but mm-hmm. um, we... Who doesn't love food in I way? know, right? <laughs> there is a pizza place called Clyde's Corner and they have vegan pizza and it is a cashew cheese and it's unbelievable. I promise you, you won't notice the difference. I encourage, I I challenge you to try it. It's so good. So Clyde's Corner is just, it's delicious. Um, And it's such a cool place because they have that beautiful outdoor seating. I love their bathtubs full of whatever that is. (laughs) Like, what are those things? But it's like fire keep you warm. Toasty yeah, the little, the those little fire books are great. Uh, and we just, we're so lucky to have had, um, in talent, the, there was the downtown coffee shop recently. I don't know how recent, but it, everything feels recent because we're just all coming out of COVID <laughs> land. Um, they just recently opened a place called gather and they have a, a ton of vegan options. Um, the food is, is quite good and they have something which I like from an environmental standpoint. They have wine on tap which is nice. Oh, they do. Yeah, they have local vineyards and they have wine I on tap, that. which is, is great from a sustainability standpoint. Yeah. And I can't not mention the Grange Co-op. And the reason I mention that is I'm there all the time and they are like friends and family. Some, have, some of the, the people that work there and have been there for years have become really good friends, but I'm there several times a week and they are just an outstanding group and I've never... Um, in back east, you know, when you go into the farm stores, it, it wasn't like that. There's something mm. really special about our Grange Co-op, particularly the one in South Medford. They're just a great group of people, and they are super compassionate to their chickens, though I disagree with selling animals. They always contact our sanctuary if they have a chicken who is injured or a duck or a turkey that's injured or has an illness or a deformity and they can't, you know, something's going on and they're concerned about their well-being. They always contact our sanctuary so that we can come and pick them up and provide them with medical care. So a shout out to the Grange Co-op. Lovely. I love hearing that. That's excellent. They're wonderful. Um, So I've enjoyed, you know, I've enjoyed getting to sample these different places. Um, The hikes, you know, which ones? I don't know. I like them all. (laughs) All of them. It's just beautiful here. You you can't go wrong. You walk outside and it's it's just breathtaking. And I'm super grateful to live here. Are you a skier? Or Absolutely you, not. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> no, you couldn't. But Mount Ashland, I mean, I, I'm not a skier either. And so I just kind of have uh, not avoided it, but just had no real reason to go up that way except to go hike once. And it was beautiful. And then I went up when my daughter was snowboarding. 
and just sat outside and had a glass of wine. I was like, this is stunning. <laughs> this is lovely. I love watching other people snowboard. <laughs> yeah, I was, a, I was a soccer player and I have an aversion to, to skiing because I was always terrified that I would ruin my knees. Uh, you know, so no, yeah. no, no skiing for yeah. me. And from what I know about Mount Ashland, that is not for a beginner. So yeah, I'm, I'm not not gonna I have no intention of trying it anytime soon yeah <laughs> but it's a gorgeous place to hike it's so to, pretty yeah and the views up there and it's just it is spectacular yeah. so I love it even if you're not a skier I still recommend going up there me too <laughs> all right well thank you I really appreciate you being here and chatting with us and yeah, I really Thanks. appreciate the opportunity to talk about the farm. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> I know. And I really think it's important, too, for people to get a sense of just all the all the different ways that people engage in our community. And you've, well, come you visit us again soon. I will. And anybody yeah. who has uh, heard this, feel free to, to contact us and set up a time to come visit and meet our, our many residents at Tikkun Alam Farm Sanctuary. Wonderful. All right. Thank you. Thanks. This podcast is produced by Simona Fino and co-produced by James Dedakis and Jaded Media. Original music by Samuel Lawrence.